Good evening. This is me. Uh, I said that I would send out a message, so I'm going to right now. I have no idea how long it will be, but it'll probably be standard youth fair like usual. I hope everyone has had a wonderful day. I have no idea what the final score of the Bengals game was. The last I checked, they were down a lot, so hopefully that turned around for you guys. Uh, if not, well, it's a long season, technically. Not as long as other seasons, but still. What happens, happens. So I am continuing the series that, that I started last week uh, just about being whole, about living for him, about finding Jesus, uh, not just as our Savior, which is obviously vital, but but finding him in the way that we treat others, in the way that we love others, in the way that, that we help others. And I spoke last week just about how important it is to see everyone in the same way, and to help the least of these, to, to not refuse to help, to not refuse to love, to have empathy, to, to actually care, and how sad it is that so many people justify not doing that based on politics, or based on race, or based on religion, or based on personal animosity, or stereotype, or whatever else. And, and we have a chance, you specifically, because I'm really old, but you have a chance to start to change that within the church. Because a lot of people will say, well, teens are the church of the future. Well, you're the church right now, and you are the chance that we have to to move past some of the things that we've done wrong over time, to actually love everybody, to to love God, to love others. And so I want to use this month to talk about that and what it means to be whole in him, what it means to be, to serve the whole Jesus and to show the whole Jesus and just to follow his word, to follow his example. And so I want right now to go to John chapter four, verses four through 39. And this is a scripture that I reference a lot and have read a few times. And so uh, it starts with Jesus going to Samaria. And so he had gone through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Uh, Jacob's, uh, sorry, Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well around noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. So it emphasizes that he was alone because at this time, there's a bunch of things we can take from this. Number one, it says this around noon, uh, if you think about in these days before plumbing existed and when you had to go get water for the day, when are you going to go get water? You're going to go in the morning when it's cool and also so that you can have it for the whole day. And since she's going at noon, which is the hottest part of the day and halfway through, uh, then then it establishes right away that she was hiding from people. Um, she wanted to avoid them. And, and we find out why as we go. And if you know this story, then you know why. But But also Jesus spoke to her even though he was alone. And at the time, uh, and I've talked about this before, Jews and Samaritans hated each other, and, and Jews super hated them and thought they were evil and awful, and they would never have stopped to talk to them, especially a Jewish man. And so for Jesus to ask her a question, to give her a chance to give him something, uh, is stunning to her. And so it says in the next verse, the woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you go to get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, 
Well, let me stop there for a second, because it's the second time that Jacob's been mentioned. He mentioned Joseph. Um, we still care about our ancestors and about our, our family, but at the time in this culture, both Jewish and Samaritan, uh, ancestors meant everything. And so you'll see as you read through the Bible uh, in the New Testament several times um, people talking about the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, etc. And that's because it establishes who they are. The fact that Jesus came from the line of David, it's this important thing to people at the time. The firstborn son is important. And so when she's talking about Jacob, it's with reverence because he's from the scriptures. It's kind of like how we would talk about Paul or, or Peter or someone. If we were like, man, Peter used this uh this uh, Nintendo Switch and like it was his and it was so cool and, and Paul this was the PS5 that he used to have and, and we would really think highly of those objects and so she's talking about this well because it's important and that's why people kept going to it Jesus replied anyone who drinks the water will soon become thirsty again but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. So I want to stop there because this is where Jesus points out his sin. And a lot of people, when they tell this story, they stop there because her sin. Jesus points out her sin uh, and he starts with, go and get your husband. He doesn't start with, hey, you're a sinner and I know exactly what you've done. Although he could have because he does. Uh, and he knows how this is going to go. He knows her heart. He knows why she's there. He knows that she needs this help. She needs this relationship, but he also is giving her a chance to be honest. He's giving her a chance to make that first step. She could have replied, um, okay, sure. And then gone and never come back. It's kind of like if somebody asks you if you want to do something and you're like, I don't know. And really that means no. And so you're just never going to reply to them again and you're never going to go and do it. Uh, and so she could have done that, but by her response, it showed that she is ready. She is ready for this relationship. She is ready to, to have something more. And so he points out uh, that she has had five husbands, which means that she's committed adultery. Um, and so, or at least uh, done things that she shouldn't have done. And so a lot of people, like I said, would stop there. And they'd be like, yeah, see, he really hit her. He pointed it out. Even though he did it lovingly and gently, he pointed out her sin. And so now he's really going to lower the boom and he's going to uh, uh, shut her down. And he's going to make sure that she knows that she's wrong. And he's going to shame her. And he's going to get her to know that she's not worth anything without him. A and that's unfortunately what a lot of people in the church do. And that's why I'm doing it this time. Um, a long time ago, I did a field trip with the teens from Seymour in Chicago, and we were on the south side, and, and it's a different part of town. Uh, we were at a church that doesn't have a lot of money. It's an awesome church. I love the people there. Um, I'm still close with one of them, and uh, with one of the pastors at the time. And during the first two nights, there were drive-bys, not at us, but just kind of shooting in the air. And, you know, the pastor came, and he's like, hey... Uh, it's nothing really to be scared of, although, you know, obviously it's something that we're not used to. Um, but a lot of times these churches uh, will come in with all of their money and, and they'll they're, they'll really kind of lord themselves over it and they'll, they'll do some stuff for a couple days and then they'll go off feeling like they saved us, like we need them. Even though they were doing a good job as a church, we were just helping them with things that they absolutely could have done themselves, but it gave us a chance to help and join together and, and build a family. And... 
that's kind of how we do things sometimes. Now, that doesn't mean anybody who goes on a mission trip is doing it just to, to prove that they're better, because that's not at all true. But it means that sometimes we help people or we try to help people, not really to help them, but so that we can feel good about ourselves. Like, um, it, it would be like somebody who's very rich going to a soup kitchen, uh, just to be like, Hey, look, I can do this. I'm doing good for people. And then, you know, just ignoring the people the rest of the year. Uh, and so to point out her sin and to make her feel bad about it, just to make himself feel good. That's not Jesus. And that's not at all what, what he is, who he is, who he was and who we should be. Uh, when we help people, it, it's not to convert them. It's not to make them realize that they're wrong. It's not to make them be as good as us. It's just to help them because that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to love God, love others, be like Jesus. And so we see that in this next part, which is my favorite part. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you uh, Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship? Well, we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount uh, Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped. Jesus replied, "Believe me, dear woman, this time is the time is coming when it no longer matter whether when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on the mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For some salvation comes through the Jews, but the time is coming. Indeed, it is here now when true worshiper, worshipers." Uh, will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God uh, is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Um, and then they go on, and I'll read more of what they say. But right there is where Jesus shows us what we get wrong so often. Because like I said, a lot of people... Uh, would have done this differently. And so he points out that she sinned, which I established, which we talked about, which you can see. The next thing she does is change the subject. She's talking about something religious-based, so she doesn't change it to like sports or plumbing or something, um, or the new sale at Home Depot, or whatever adults talk about, which I don't know still. Um, but she changes the subject. And Jesus could have done what a lot of Christians do, and said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now listen, we're not talking about that yet. We need to go back to your sin. You didn't say that you were wrong. You didn't admit that you sinned. You didn't know, tell me everything. Listen, we got to talk about this, and you've really got to know that you're wrong. You've really got to to to, to uh, beg here. Uh, he didn't do that. He allowed her to change the subject, and he talked about it. He he talked about it as if she's a person because she is a person, and he sees her as a person. And too often, people, uh, not just Christians, but a lot of Christians, too often people uh, are in conversations not to build relationships, not to talk, not to help, but to prove that they're right. They would rather people say, hey, that person's right and knows everything about everything, than they would uh, simply build a relationship and then have that person go and eventually get saved or, or find their way to church or find their way to Jesus. But, but Jesus shows us we're here to plant seeds. And Jesus, more than anyone, only person in the history of the world, that could have done this with a clear heart because he had no sin. And so he could say, hey, listen, let's talk about sin because I know that it's possible to live without it because he lives without it. All of us have screwed up at some point. So none of us can say that. And yet Jesus didn't. Jesus didn't care about being right. He knows he's right. He lives right. He knows exactly who he is and what she needs, but he cared about her and he showed her that. And even if this didn't go the way that it had, even if she'd just gone on and then thought about this conversation and thought about this conversation and then later on prayed uh, and not come back to Jesus for it, 
he knows that he is helping her. He, he is loving her. He's building the relationship. He died on the cross, not for Christians, but for people before they became Christians to give us that chance to do it. And so the woman starts talking about a Messiah and Jesus says that he's the Messiah. And then the disciples come back and they're kind of shocked and they're like, whoa, he's talking to a Samaritan. And, you know, cause they're still learning and they're people. And, uh, they're like, Rabbi, eat something. Come on. And and so they have this little conversation. The woman goes off. Um, and then when she comes back, uh, let's see. When she comes back, it says, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. So because he treated her with respect, because he showed her love, because he talked to her not to respond, not to win the fight, not to be bright, not to prove that he's the smartest person in the world, but simply to talk and to share and to help, uh, it changed her life and the life of the village. Again, one of the things that, that will happen a lot in churches everywhere is that we get this feeling, hey, this is important, and it is. And we really have to get people to see this, which is true. But we get the wrong things going there. And, and instead of showing them Jesus, instead of building relationships, instead of loving, instead of helping, instead of being an example, uh, we try to push it real fast because we're very impatient. And I get this because I don't like even waiting for microwaves. And I've eaten cold soup before. I've also uh, heated things too long and boiled it over because I really wanted to get past the whole uh, putting it in an oven, etc. And so I get impatience, but with people, we can't be like that. It's not about being right. It's not about being the best. It's not about being the one to change them because we cannot change anybody. We cannot save anyone. This is about being like Jesus and showing people the way to him because he is the way and he loves everyone. We have to treat people like he treated them. Uh, it's Thanksgiving time and then Christmas and so many people are going to do this. And I've said this before, I probably said it at Easter time. A lot of Christians believe that at Easter and Christmas, people are more receptive, and even Thanksgiving, but people are more receptive uh, to Jesus and to coming to church. And so they'll say, go out and ask, because that's when it's the best time. It's not because of those times. It's because at those times of the year, Christians act more like they should. And so at Christmas and, and at Thanksgiving and at Easter, uh, we act so much more like Jesus. And then the rest of the year, it's like, ah, I got to win. I got to be the best. I got to do what I do. And I don't have time for this. And I have time to, to be who I am. And I've got to be right. And I've got to be the one. And they have to agree with me politically or I don't care. And et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But Jesus didn't live like that. He lived like every day was Christmas. He lived like every day was the holiday. So that's the point of this series. It's about being whole, not just right now, not just when it's easy, not just when you're at church, but throughout your entire life, throughout the entire year. You're not going to be perfect, but it's important to show people that you're not perfect and that Jesus still loves you because that's who he is. And that's what we see in this story. And we'll continue this next week and and we'll be in person again next week. So uh, it's just, it's important to, to do this, not just now, but throughout the year. And that's all I got.